again, Nathan Mueller, um, Water and Integrated Cropping Systems Extension Educator um, located in, in Southeast Nebraska. Um, I started down here about a year ago, so time flies, and it was an interesting year to, to get started um, in a job with, with COVID-19, so uh, lots of adjustments made this year, but this is a, a, a program area that I've worked on for about four years now, working with growers across eastern Nebraska on, on winter wheat. I actually got about 140 calls or emails in 2020 on, on winter wheat management in eastern Nebraska. So even though winter wheat might make up, you know, 50 to 80,000 acres in, uh, in eastern Nebraska, a lot of growers still have questions. And so that's one of the program areas that I've, I've been focusing on. So uh, when we talk about uh, management factors that drive yield for wheat in eastern Nebraska, number one is variety selection. And that can drive yield uh, at the end of the year that growers see, agronomists see, um, that I see from 10 to 20 bushels an acre. Uh, when you look at, at number two here, uh, foliar fungicides, uh, because of the higher humidity and moisture in eastern Nebraska being on the kind of the eastern edge of the hard red winter wheat growing region, um, the response to foliar fungicide from leaf and stripe rust um, and even fusarium head blight can really uh, have a big difference that yield that growers see at the end of the year as well. Row spacing um, isn't a common question I get, but every now and then people say, I already have a 15 inch row drill or planter. Uh, can I use that for winter wheat? Uh, we don't have a row spacing study in Eastern Nebraska, but um, several folks I know down at K-State conducted several years in sites in Eastern Kansas. And the, the yield loss was about 15 bushels per acre over those couple of years in sites uh, with the wider rows. So there's a definitely an advantage to narrow rows. Uh, planning date, we'll talk about that um, here this afternoon um, and recommended planning dates. And of course, seeding rate, just like any other crop, uh, where we need to be at in seeding rates. So we'll talk about that. Again, all of these aren't additive. If you added all these up, hey, Nathan, you're saying that I'm going to get um, 50 bushels more per acre if I do all five of these right. Um, some of these, there's interactions, so they're not all additive. Um, but I've definitely seen right across the road, two different growers uh, see a 20, 30 bushel difference in yield. So um, just like any crop, um, a few management tweaks can really make a big difference in certain years. So we're going to talk about variety selection, uh, disease management, planning dates and rates, and then nutrient management. We're not going to have time to get to yield economics and weather risk and soil health aspects. Uh, but they are my slide set that I shared with Chris Proctor that would be loaded on the website. So you're free to, to look at those um, at a later time. So uh, before we get moving on on winter wheat production regions, a little bit about Eastern um, Nebraska. First, what is Eastern Nebraska when it comes to, to winter wheat? Um, in Nebraska, there's always a debate um, on central, eastern, western, uh, you name it. But uh, eastern Nebraska for me today, when we talk about winter wheat management, is going to be east of Highway 14, uh, which is roughly kind of the, the dividing line where we saw the transition from tall grass to mixed grass prairie. And largely, uh, this native vegetation you know, really did show our difference in soils and our soil moisture over time. You got to remember, in, in Nebraska, we have uh, 29 different unique ecoregions across Nebraska, according to EPA, and we go from 14 inches to 34 inches, so a change in 20 inches uh, from west to east. So um, a lot of variability uh, when we're managing crops as we move across the state, east to west and north to south. 
So some work um, done by USDA NRCS looking at soil moisture, but this also map that I'm showing does match up with some recent research at K-State where they looked at yield gap analysis or yield potential. And from their analysis in Oklahoma, Kansas extending into Southern Nebraska, uh, really put the dividing line for, for moisture being a limiting factor on winter wheat production, you know, averaged over years is roughly at 97 degrees west latitude, which is roughly the, the dividing uh, or the county western uh, edge of Lancaster County or western side of Gage County running north to south. And that matches up pretty well with the soil moisture regimes um, that NRCS has as, as well. Um, here in, in Nebraska. So uh, largely overall, uh, moisture may not be the limiting factor a lot of years, and we can talk about if we have time, solar radiation and some other yield limiting factors, but moisture on average is not the, the largest driving yield factors um, most years in Eastern Nebraska for winter wheat. So a few online resources before we get started. I do have a specific website dedicated to winter wheat resources for growers in South Central and Eastern Nebraska um, called Winter Wheat Cafe. And it's on my website um, at croptechcafe.org slash winter wheat. Um, I also have an email group um, that I send weekly updates. I actually just sent one yesterday called What's Up This Week. It's essentially a monthly to weekly uh, highlight of resources for growers and agronomists in eastern south central Nebraska um, and have about 194 members on that and you can sign up for that on my website as well. So let's move into variety selection. Um, variety selection is pretty critical. Um, if we look at, at eastern Nebraska, at would be Washington County, Saunders County, Lancaster County, uh, the average yield, three-year yield difference between Westbred 4303 and Freeman 2 commercially uh, available varieties was about 10 bushels. Um, in, in the past, if you look at all the varieties that were entered in, um, in some other years, you could see 20, 30 bushel difference. This is the average over time uh, for, for this most recent time frame. Uh, you can get variety trial results on our CropWatch website. Um, and probably one of the more unique databases that I think is helpful for helping with variety selection is the Colorado Wheat Variety Database. And that allows you to pick uh, multiple years, multiple locations, or do analysis by region. So if you want to combine how varieties are performing in Northeast Kansas, North Central Kansas, South Central Nebraska, and Southeast Nebraska, then you can grab data both from K-State and UNL and run that data analysis on head-to-head -head comparisons in, in varieties, uh, which is, so it's a pretty helpful uh, data analysis tool. Uh, University of Nebraska uh, is in, in the process of making something similar, and that's efforts by Amanda Easterly and Cody Creech. So stay tuned on, on a Nebraska version. But right now, all the, the Nebraska data uh, is shared with, with Colorado State uh, for that database. So where are we at in terms of a variety testing and the crop rotation that we're testing in? Uh, here's the the locations in highlighted counties here in South Central and Eastern Nebraska. These are the, in the center of the counties where we're testing, these are the average long-term or past 18 years uh, for the top yielding variety or the average of the top yielding variety. So 77 bushels was the average of the top yielding varieties over the past 18 years. As you move west to east, uh, 77 uh, Lancaster, 88, 74 in Selene, Jefferson, 75 in Clay, and lower 70s here as we get into South Central Nebraska. So not a huge gradient. And again, we got to talk about moisture. 
Um, not a, a huge driving factor in eastern Nebraska. And as you move into southwest in the panhandle, then rain-fed acre and yields do uh, change quite a bit. But the south central locations here this coming year for 2021 are all um, after soybeans, which is the most common crop rotation in eastern Nebraska. And that's something that we're, we're actively working on. Two of our locations in Jefferson and Gosper are no-till after soybeans, which is the most common. In the long term, once we get some equipment changes to drills, uh, we will be hopefully moving to no-till after soybeans at SCAL or the South Central Ag Lab in Clay County as well. Uh, in Eastern Nebraska, the variety trials are paired up with breed the breeder trials. And so they are actually tilled plots after oats. So those breeders can get in in an earlier fashion. So not quite mimicking um, our crop rotation, but we still have getting valuable data overall on, on adaption of, of winter wheat varieties. In the past, we had a location in Washington County the past four years, which was no-till um, after soybeans. Um, another resource besides the yield um, comes maybe some, some fine-tuning variety selection. So this past year due to COVID, we did have a virtual variety trial. So we do have a one minute um, short video on each variety that we recorded at the Lancaster uh, location for variety trials. On my website, there are a essentially a, a profile for each winter wheat variety that companies recommend for planting in this region. So you'll have placement notes, highlights, and then management suggestions for probably about 25 different varieties um, on my website. So essentially it's a, a virtual tour and we'll continue to build on this and hopefully be able to have in-person variety trial tours um, here in June this coming year. So disease management, the big three, uh, Fusarium head blight or scab, uh, leaf and stripe rust here in Eastern Nebraska. Fusarium head blight being the, the, my biggest concern and especially the biggest concern for growers that I've been working with that had just started planting wheat. Uh, they haven't planted wheat, but maybe their, their dad or uncle did. And managing fusarium head blight is, is the top of my uh, concern list. This isn't a new disease. This has been reported and documented in Nebraska all the way back to 1898, so over 120 years. It survives in the residue in the soil. Uh, it has alternative hosts, including corn. So when we have corn um, around eastern Nebraska, there's definitely always the risk of the pathogen being there. And the end result is not only yield loss or tombstone or scabby wheat, but also the production of vomitoxin or DON, uh, which they do check at the elevator and dock for or could if the DON levels were high enough, reject the load. So what can we do? Um, crop rotation, um, probably being one of the management practices as well as variety selection. And then we'll end a little bit into scouting and then timely spraying. So when we talk about crop rotation, most of the time we're wheat following um, soybeans, but in terms of, of highest risk for scab is gonna be wheat following corn, followed by wheat following soybeans and the lowest risk would be wheat following alfalfa. And there's always some risk just because of corn stock residue and corn fields nearby. When we talk about corn, I get a lot of questions after regular corn, after corn silage, after seed corn. Uh, University of Wisconsin has done some work and through my observations here, highest risk would be after um, full residue or regular corn harvest, a little less risk um, after seed corn and probably the least amount of risk wheat following corn silage. So um, as well as crop rotation variety selection, we'll talk about some varieties in the next slide um, in terms of resistance. We also have disease risk mapping, um, which we share on crop watch this coming year to know what's the risk coming up. Uh, scouting being just like any disease management plan, scouting being very critical and then timely foliar fungicides. So we'll, we'll talk about that here just in a few slides. So first, 
um, spraying foliar fungicides for scab. Uh, the timing on that, ideal timing is at beginning flowering at FIX 10.51. Uh, we do have about a seven day window. We'll talk about one of the fungicides that might widen that a little bit. Um, but anybody that doesn't have the new uh, visual guide for wheat growth and development, it was developed at, at University of Wisconsin, Sean Conley, um, but I have hard copy books. So if this is something, um, maybe you have the pocket guide for corn and soybeans, but maybe you want the one for wheat. I do have hard copies. It's the best growth and development guide for winter wheat out there. And I have about a hundred uh, at my office in Wilbur. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, drop me an email and I can get one of those in the mail to you. So foliar fungicides for managing Fusarium head blight at that beginning flowering stage, three different products. And we want to use these three products and, and we'll talk about why, but product number one, Persaro, uh, product number two, Corumba, and the third product, Mirvis Ace. These are all um, triazole-based fungicides, so not group 11 or the Strombeerlarens, so not your, your headline. And we don't use those group 11 fungicides because they can actually make the mycotoxin or DON numbers worse. Um, versus improving those. Um, so we know that these three are the best products to use. There's pretty common consensus across universities, across the, the Great Plains um, and even moving east. So um, Prasaro and Crumba both have good track records. The new product on the market is called Miravis Ace from Syngenta. It actually has two modes of action. It has a, a propiconazole um, group three, but it also has an SDHI7. This product, um, the company has, advertises as you can go late heading maybe three days before the start of early flowering and still see good levels of suppression or control of fusarium head blight. Um, so they have done work on these three products at uh, Ohio State where they really have high moisture uh, environment. And, and that's true when it comes to suppression of fusarium head blight or scabby wheat. But when we look at the dawn numbers, that early spray of this product before flowering Mervis Ace, it doesn't control the mycotoxin and the dawn numbers as well. Um, this product works equally well or similar to the other two when sprayed at that target date of, of maybe 30% flower. And again, we are, have a window of about seven days. You're actually better off being a little bit on the late side than on the early side with Prosaro and Crumba. Maybe have a little bit more um, flexibility with Miravis Ace. So timely application of these are critical. So sometimes aerial application, if it's during a wet period where we see higher risk of fusarium head blight when we've been wet the two weeks prior and during um, aerial application, um, often is, is the way to go. Ground rig is going to provide some advantages in terms of gallons per acre and coverage, uh, but that's not always possible with the moisture conditions when we come to the end of May, uh, beginning of June, depending on the year. So varieties, what varieties should a plant um, to really start off uh, the growing season right to reduce my risk of fusarium head blight? Uh, Westbred 4699, a new variety from Westbred on the market as rated a four, uh, one being the most resistant um, or re completely resistant to fusarium head blight, 10 being the most susceptible. And you can see we don't have any varieties on the market that would be rated a one. Uh, Overland's been probably the variety that's been around the, uh, the longest in the region that was released for resistance to fusarium head blight, still rated as a four. Zenda from K-State replacing Everest rated at a four. Um, we have several that are moderately resistant in the five here on the market. So these are all good varieties that have yielded well and carry um, moderate resistance to fusarium head blight. Moving on to, to leaf rust. Uh, similar to southern rust or common rust in corn, these rust diseases in wheat, leaf rust and stripe rust, which we'll talk about, have to be blown in from the south each year. So we do get a warning as things move from Texas to Oklahoma to Kansas into southern Nebraska. 
Um, we've already seen um, striped rust, the next one we talk about in, in the southern states already. Um, so we'll talk about that. But the leaf rust is pretty common and it usually handles the warmer weather better and continues to cause yield loss more so than striped rust. So this really hits around flowering time and in the month of June. So when you spray for fusarium head blight um, with those three fungicides I talked about, you're also going to get control or suppression of leaf, leaf rust. So it can really be a two for one uh, when you're spraying at early flowering. Yield losses, if left unsprayed, could be 14%. So again, variety selection. We do have varieties that have really good resistance to leaf rust, but again, timely um, foliar fungicide applications to protect that flag leaf um, and into grain fill, both a combination of scouting, variety selection, um, and using foliar fungicides. And we'll, we'll talk about the yield responses that we're seeing in eastern Nebraska. Stripe rust, a little bit different than leaf rust, uh, more of a Texas longhorn orange. Um, obviously, most likely seen in stripes um, as the disease progresses. Again, doesn't overwinter, but it has been a significant problem over the past 10 years uh, due to race changes. Some of the varieties that were resistant are now moderately resistant or moderately susceptible. Uh, so we have seen yield losses left unsprayed 40%. Again, this disease will generally move in a little bit earlier in the year in, in southern Nebraska before that flowering period and can cause some issues and, and thrives a little bit better in a cooler, wetter environment where leaf rust can handle the higher temperatures moving into June. Uh, variety selection, we do have varieties that are resistant or moderate resistant to stripe rust. So that's another criteria for selecting varieties besides yields and fusarium head blight. But again, uh, regular scouting and timely application of foliar fungicides to protect that flag leaf. So what type of yield responses have we seen um, across varieties? A study that was done in 2014 and 2015 here at, uh, in Lancaster County, uh, yield vertical axis here in bushels per acre. Uh, this was in Lancaster averaged across six different varieties with a range of, of resistance to, to leaf and stripe rust. Um, so even across varieties, we saw an average yield response or yield advantage to foliar fungicides at nine bushels an acre in 2014 and 12 bushels an acre in 2015 across varieties and across two different years. So uh, year in and year out, because of the, the environment we have uh, for winter wheat and leaf and stripe rust, um, I would say if I had to pick a crop that I was gonna get an economic yield response on a regular basis out of corn, soybean and winter wheat, um, I would put my money on, on, on winter wheat. And of course, with the drive up in prices um, that we've seen here with other commodities, you start penciling this out, um, you're, you're definitely making money um, with, of course, if you have pressure to go ahead and spray foliar fungicides at flag leaf. Let's move into to planting date and seeding rate. Uh, this is a new map. Um, I actually shared this with the folks at K-State this morning. Uh, they had a North Central uh, research um, day uh, virtually, um, which is just um, just in north central Kansas, so not too far away. And their planting date research matches up really well with my new map that I made last year. Uh, so I took um, work that was done in the 1980s in southeast Nebraska, looking at planting date and growing degree units, and then applied new temperature norms. And I need to even run it for the new temperature norms now that we have the 20, uh, the past decade. Uh, but we've seen that we can plant a little bit later than we used to, um, largely driven by temperature changes. Um, so for Southeast Nebraska, for let's say for Saline, Jefferson, Gage County, um, target yield for highest yield potential on average across years, you're looking at October 10th. Uh, this year with the cool weather we had mid-October, you may have been a little bit advantaged being a little bit earlier than that. But again, this is for grain systems, uh, not for, for uh, 
dual purpose wheat that's grazed, but a target date of October 10th on average. And there is some chance of losing yield being too early, and there's definitely a yield advantage to being too late, uh, maybe seeing two to three bushel yield loss per day after these target planting dates. So uh, you can't get across all your wheat acres on those dates, so get as close as you can. Um, we do have a new um, data set for you. I worked with the, the climatologist at the High Plains or the Nebraska Climate Office uh, to come up with the wheat accumulative growing degree unit starting October 15th, also September 25th and September 5th across the state. You can pick those three dates and it'll tell you how many units we've accumulated from those three planning dates. And that's at our university website, mesonet.unl.edu. You can see um, here when I looked at the end of December, when we planted October 15th, we did get to that target 400 growing degree days. Uh, here in southeast Nebraska, but if you had planted October 15th up in northeast Nebraska, you are well short of ac accumulating kind of those target heat units we'd like to see to maximize potential uh, potential yield. Of course, um, always encourage growers to use um, certified seed, and there's several reasons for that. One, to make sure you're, you're buying what you're getting. Uh, second, so you have what the germination, purity, and seed size is, and the seed size right here being a critical factor. I always tell growers, uh, if your goal was to plant 30,000 for your corn plant population and you planted 20 or 40, would you be very happy? Um, the same thing can happen if wheat, if we don't take into account seed size germination, um, specifically in winter wheat. So kind of to deal with that, I, I have a calculator I'll show you here in the next slide, but how this plays out, this is some data um, from seven years ago, again, in Lancaster County, looking at yield here in bushels per acre and seeding rate. So at a half a million uh, seeds per acre, up to 1.2 million seeds, which is kind of where our, our recommended or my recommended starting point is for seeding rates in, in eastern Nebraska. Um, quite a bit of a yield advantage moving from 75 up to almost 85 bushels an acre. So um, once we get at this 1.2 million, that's a good starting point. What happens if we plant later than, than what is ideal after, let's say, October 10th in southeast Nebraska? Um, so I did come up with a, a calculator. You can put in your, what your planting date is. Um, it'll tell you what your seeding rate should be to account for late planting, which means you, your wheat tillers less, which means you're going to have less heads per plant. And so we can compensate by putting more plants out there. That does cost a little bit more money, but you can enter in your, from your certified seed tag, your germination purity and seed size, and it'll tell you how many pounds per acre. Now, uh, you do need to calibrate your drill, air drill or box drill to make sure you're actually getting that pounds per acre. But this is just a tool that growers have found helpful. I always recommend certified uh, fungicide treated seed and so does our plant pathologist for um, both transmitted and soil borne fungal diseases and target planting dates no till after soybeans about an inch and a half. You can download the Excel based tool. I'll be updating it uh, I think by each region with my new planting date maps here um, by this next winter wheat planting season. As we move into green up here in, in March likely um, by the way things look like out there today with the snow cover um, I did come up with a way to evaluate wheat stands quickly um, to help make decision. What's our yield potential look like? Maybe we got a poor stand, maybe due to the dry weather this fall. Uh, is it worth keeping that winter wheat stand or maybe we abandon it as a cover crop and go ahead and plant corn? Uh, so instead of using a tape measure, which is pretty tedious, works well for corn and soybeans, but it's time consuming and hard to bend down multiple location. I came up with a one ten thousandths of an acre grid. Uh, or PVC, and you get a tally counting, quickly count in this one ten thousandths, multiply the number by 10,000 and get your plants breaker. And I have interpretations uh, for each one of those there. Again, you can get this and download this, print this off, set it in the truck or put it in your back pocket and bring it with you. And that's on my website at CropTech Cafe.
Okay, last section on nutrient management, nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, and chloride. Um, based on UNL recs and local growers, we're kind of in that 80 to 110. Uh, K-State this morning shared uh, they were maximizing yield potential in north central Kansas, uh, very close to Fairbury at close to about 100 pounds per acre. So that's in line with what they're seeing lately. Um, most of this can be applied at Greenup um, in, in February and March. Uh, we have new uh, nitrogen rate studies in eastern Nebraska at Mead, and we saw the same yield or slightly better with uh, all in the spring at Greenup, split application over 100% uh, at fall. Um, nitrogen can be put on a little bit later at flag leaf, but you don't always get your money back, even though you might see a slight improvement in, in protein. Moving to phosphorus, um, I'd like to treat the crop similar to alfalfa. I'd like to see target phosphorus levels of Bray P1 at 25 part per million in the top 10 inches. Um, so a little bit higher phosphorus demand, similar to corn after corn and alfalfa. Again, that really does help the winter wheat crop with early growth tillering and winter wheat hardiness. Uh, the last two, which we're not going to cover, but you can read more about it on my website or the upcoming issue in Nebraska Farmer here in February, is sulfur and chloride management in winter wheat. Um, but we, if we have time for questions, we can cover that. But I just encourage you to go ahead and read that on my, my website or look for that in the upcoming Nebraska Farmer issue. With that, I'll wrap up. Here's my contact information if you want to reach out to me after today. Thanks for your time this afternoon.